Welcome back. Catherine, Al, and I are here to discuss Pillar 1, Design, from Chapter 2 of Dr. Gail Allen's book, The New Pillars of Modern Teaching. But first, a recap of our first learning task. One of the things I noticed in looking at the R10EDU hashtag are some themes. A lot of people um, included in their reflections the bit about owning the learning both for teachers and students. A lot of that, that, that message resonated with a lot of you. Um, another theme I saw was the information abundance. There's so many resources out there that the role of teacher has changed to facilitator rather than you know information deliverer. So um, I thought that we have some really good artifacts of learning so far. Um, I like the fact that since participants had choice in the way they were going to um, define their reflections, a lot of people actually have, were very creative and went out on a limb to try something new, a tool they've never used before. So I'm very excited to hear that. Saw some people who said they tried Book Snaps for the first time, yep. Adobe mm -hmm. Spark for the first time. Mm -hmm. It looks like we had some Google Slides and um, yeah, lots of creative responses. Mm -hmm. so I feel like when you give choice in the learning, then people can, again, that's a step in owning their learning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it increases engagement. And so. it's definitely going to come to come to be a big a major part of the book study as we dive in and you're given more opportunities to just kind of share your thoughts in a variety of different ways so keep the creativity coming yeah and it's not too late to join in on the learning if you haven't so far all right so i'm excited to be able to jump into design the first pillar of the new pillars of modern teaching and so in this chapter um, dr gail allen continues to move us from the mindset of scarcity mindset to abundance and this chapter really um I think it's a great chapter to be able to start with because it really kind of sets the stage as we move forward in um, the integration of technology and being able to help support students in a variety of learning styles. And so in this chapter, we talk about the transition from instruction to design. And she shares a number of different great um, just kind of things to think about as you are kind of making that transition from instruction to design. Um, we know as educators, we are very, um, mindful of the fact that we need to fill our toolkits with as many tools as possible to be able to help support our students and a variety of students that we have in our classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, we know that that passion is there to be able to help find the tools and things that will help students and finding the, the instructional strategies that really would be beneficial to those students. And so, but one of the things that um, Dr. Gail Allen mentions in this chapter is the fact that um, though all all of those different instructional strategies are really about um, us designing the learning and not the student. And so I really want to talk with the, talk about um, how we can move from as teachers and as educators being the people that are designing the learning experience and transitioning that to students. So um, there's a number of things that kind of jump out. I love the illustration and model that she uses while looking at a, a graphic designer um, who's having to constantly improve um, their skills by being able to learn and design their different learning experiences in a variety of different ways, um, whether that is jumping on to uh, things like YouTube or jumping into forums to be able to learn from others. But there is a constant changing and adjusting of the ways that they are learning and finding ways to learn um, new skills to be able to um, to learn better and to learn more efficiently. So um, she dives into the, the just a great graphic that is, um, that's in the book that actually shows um, the things that you can look at to consider when it is, when you're thinking about designing those learning experiences and that's the time, um, place, medium, and then also socialness. And so uh, and what are your thoughts? You know, it's those elements that actually 
help, as I think we mentioned in the first podcast, that help increase engagement and empowerment. Exactly. Because students have choice. And I think that you, again, you don't have to start from scratch. Take what you have. Maybe you have a text-based lesson where students are reading something. Well, what other supplemental materials can you provide for students who have maybe a different learning style? Exactly. That's kind of where you start. And again, start small. Start with one lesson. Um, maybe think of a unit or topic that there's a plethora mm-hmm. of uh, digital um, pieces to learn from. That'd be my guess. And I think a lot about the way that I learn. Um, I am... I wouldn't say recovering because I don't think I'm recovering very well, <laughs> but I am definitely um, someone who's a big fan of YouTube. Yes, um, you YouTube are. YouTube has saved me in a number of different occasions, whether it's me trying to fix something around my house that I just need, I need something really quick. I need a two, three minute video to figure out how to fix this um, so that I can be the hero of my household. Yep. And so, and that's something where YouTube is definitely beneficial for me. Uh, but I know others that really like to have, uh, they like to have a book in their hand and they like to be able to dive into it, digest it. Um, I know others that really love webinars. I love others that um, that may have a larger block of time, so they really um, want something that's more of a long format that they can really dive deep into it and really reflect on the content, um, just kind of in as they linger with the content that they're jumping into. So um, definitely keeping in mind the time and the um, the different options that you can look at in being able to provide those opportunities for students. Well, and that's exactly the point of our learning task that we have for you is for you to figure that out on your own. What are your preferences? And then you, once you know yours, you're going to be able to help your students decide their own design, their lear- uh, learning design. And, you know, when I thoughtfully, you know, answered those questions about how I learn best, it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Mine too. I I am not a video person necessarily. Mm -hmm. I would rather have text. Mm -hmm. And I am that person who needs a paper book because I need to highlight and write in it. Mm -hmm. I know that's still old school, but that's just what I prefer if I'm if I'm reading to learn. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like to to read, um, maybe even participate in an online course and kind of digest it before then talking about it and collaborating on how to move forward Mm -hmm. with that learning. Mm -hmm. It really helped me define, oh, yeah, that's why I like doing it this way. So that was really eye opening. Well, and I just thought about how did we design our whole online books experience based on those four um, elements of elements. powerful learning design. Thank, thank you. Mm-hmm. So um, for this um, for this experience, what was the time? Mm-hmm. We you can listen to the podcast at any time. Yep. You can read if you get behind for one chapter. It's okay. Um, skip ahead if you need to. Um, the place. Anywhere you want to. (laughs) Right. In your car. Right. And we have the resources online. Um, We have the podcast. We have Twitter. um, So that's kind of the medium. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have on our site the um, videos for the Twitter chat. If you've never never participated in Twitter, you can Mm -hmm. see how to get onto Twitter. Yep. And then the socialness. As much as you want it to be. Really. I mean, you can tweet your reflections, um, and and that could be it. You don't necessarily have to respond to anyone else's if you if you choose not to, but that does help when you build in community right. of learners and sharing ideas. Right. Yeah, I, I think just having that control, like you you are giving the learner the control, and so you, I love the fact that we are all on Twitter and we all mm-hmm. learn from um, Twitter as a professional learning network. Um, but it's one of those things that it's um, not everyone's comfortable right. with being there. So, and that is something that you can make it as social as possible. And it doesn't have to be just online. I mean, even just having, if you have several people even in your campus that are diving into the book study or any topic, 
but being able to come together at some point. That's one of the things I love about Ashley and Catherine, um, because there's definitely times. One of we many. Will, yes, <laughs> there's so many things. Um, but it is definitely one of those things where um, when when one of us um, dives into something and we have really got a chance to get our mind around it, uh, we, we come together at some point and share kind Absolutely. of those things. And then it's fun seeing the others kind of jump into and go and start pursuing that knowledge as well and going deeper into it. And it really stems from the fact that we're learning from each other. We're learning and having an opportunity to be social and just coming together and discuss the things that we're learning. So I think that's a huge thing. And so and then it helps. It helps us yep. to be able to just kind of own the knowledge even further. So I think that's a, that's a huge thing to keep in mind. And sharing what you're learning, whether it's online or if it's in a face-to-face kind of informal situation with colleagues, is super important because yeah. we all benefit from collective knowledge. And Catherine, are you are you going to mention the like design library, digital learning library? I think you mentioned that before. Or I will. Okay. I'll just steal your thought Thank if you. you don't mind. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, okay, we're talking about designing instead of delivering instruction, right? Mm-hmm. And so we need resources so that the medium, we have choices in medium for our kids. And so one place to start is to start collecting resources. And I know we'll talk about that more when we get to curation in chapter three. three. But start thinking about how you can collect resources so that you have videos, you have text, you have um, maybe podcasts or something that will fit each kid's learning style. So that's a good place to start as you move to um, more of a... um, Again, more more of a design role than a de- than content delivery role. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. Absolutely. Yeah, we are. One of the things to keep in mind, I think, is that technology is definitely changing the landscape, and Dr. Allen definitely speaks into the fact that the landscape is changing. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's definitely something to keep in mind. I mean, we're we're in an age where um, Google and so many other. Um, yeah companies are pushing artificial intelligence, machine learning, and those things are becoming kind of, they're almost becoming staples within um, kind of the landscape of learning and and a variety of other um, industries as well. And it's just something to just be mindful of the fact that technology is going to continue to change um, different industries and education is not immune to those things. So um, how do you guys see technology changing education as we move forward over the next few years? Well, I mean, like you said, there is there the information is out there, and anybody can access it. A teacher's role is to help students vet resources, evaluate them for validity and truthfulness, et cetera, so that kids have those skills to be able to learn how to learn. And so I think learning how to learn is a huge part to this that the teacher can facilitate within the process of designing instruction. Well said, Ashley. Oh. <laughs> so as we definitely move forward, I just want to encourage um, everyone who's listening that um, it, this is not something just to think about with your students and what you can do with students, but also think about how you can determine how you learn best. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a great um, opportunity for you to assess that within this chapter. So I would encourage you to take the time to be able to dive into that task and just learn the way that you are learn about the way that you learn best. I know for me, it was very beneficial to just kind of reflect on that and really kind of um, put a clarity on how I learn um, and how that process works best for me. Um, I know Ashley mentioned earlier that she loves to have the 
the hard copy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am definitely that way. I'm also the person that I love to dive into it with a hard copy, but then I love also being able to highlight within the maybe the Kindle version and be able to quickly come back to those things that I've I've highlighted that are that I can access anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be a variety of things. I think it would be great for you to just share those things out. So once you learn exactly what it is, the style and the way that you learn, um, to be able to share that out using the hashtag R10EDU. And can I just add one thing? I think as educators, we've always known that we need to present content in multiple ways. Absolutely. And so now that's just a little bit of a different spin on it because you have the technology piece. Right. So we're still doing the same thing. Right. It's just going to look a little bit different. Right. And I think that's important to point out. Another thing, another point I wanted to make real quickly, really quickly, is um, like T-test schools for, for teachers who mm-hmm. are um, going through that process. That is an opportunity to set a learning goal and then provide your own learning along the way to meet that goal. True. So I just kind of wanted to point that out that that that's a thing for a lot of people right now. Definitely. Well, and then in the book, she says, how often do our students get to decide on time, place, medium, and socialness? Mm -hmm. But Al, you usually bring up the admin side of things. Mm -hmm. For administrators, ask the same about your faculty. How often does the faculty get to decide on time, place, medium, and socialness? That is a great point. Mm -hmm. So um, I know we've got some administrators involved in our book study, so something for you all to think about. And also the fall is ed camp season, so thinking about if that is your type of learning. Um, There are tons of ed camps going on this fall. Mm -hmm. Um, Those kinds of meetups that are informal meetups, if you like the face-to-face, if you like the short burst of learning, then um, lots of opportunities in the area for you. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. All right, I think that's a great place for us to bring our episode to a close. Thank you all for joining us. Check out the site for the second learning task and resources related to this part of the book. We'll see you on Twitter at our hashtag R10EDU. And until then, as Katie Morton says, if we want to change how students learn, we must change how teachers learn.